This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture with me, Dashran Johan, alongside Juliet Jacobs and Hezreel Ashraf. And today our story is going to be about education because it's been a tumultuous year for students in Malaysia due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, the sudden shift to online learning has contributed to the widening education disparity between those in the middle class and the poor who lack access to digital devices and the internet. So we'll be speaking to YB Mazli Male on the state of education in Malaysia over the past uh, year as as well as his various initiatives to help students. That's right. And YB Mazli will be joining us in just a matter of minutes um, to discuss what Dash just said here. So if you have any questions for our former education minister, do send them our way. You can tweet us at BFM Radio or you can send us a WhatsApp message at 018-789-8899. Yep. Now, we've talked about education a lot over the past few months, but you know I think it's important to, uh, it, to keep stressing just how badly students have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, according to the UN, the closure of schools, universities, and various institutes of learning has negatively impacted the lives of 1.6 billion students in over uh, and across 190 countries uh, around the world. And it's no different in Malaysia, right? Yeah, I mean, um, just anecdotally speaking, we constantly hear stories by people in rural communities in particular on how students have to climb trees and hike up hills just to get stable internet connection in hopes to attend classes or, you know, do their exams. When former Education Minister Dr. Mazlimale came on uh, our Live and Learn show recently, he spoke about how he fears that there's going to be a quote-unquote lost generation where an entire generation of young people who missed out on education because of the pandemic. That's right. In a recent survey done by the United Nations Population Fund and also by UNICEF, the United Nations Children's Fund, uh, and that was targeting urban poor families in the Klang Valley. So that study actually mirrors what YB Masli said. So the study found that fewer children returning to their classrooms when school reopened in July last year. Yeah, but to build off on that, you know, we also did a show recently where we spoke to a teen activist, Nurul Rifaya, who spoke about how the the stop-start nature of, uh, you know, the education system since the first MCO was announced uh, has uh, drastically affected students' mental health, many of whom have even expressed, you know, ideas to take their own lives, unfortunately. You know, yeah. It's just so sad to hear. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to make matters worse, it doesn't look like 2021 mm. is shaping up to be <laughs> any better than 2020 yeah. was, at least... Um, not yet. Um, it was announced in January that all learning institutions that are under the Ministry of Education in Malaysia will remain closed and only those who are sitting for major examinations are allowed to physically attend schools. Yes, and amid the tumultuous year in education in Malaysia, many NGOs and some opposition politicians have taken it upon themselves to help students with their education. And one of whom is YB Mazli Male, the MP of Simpang Rangam and the former Education Minister. YB Mazli is now joining us uh, via Zoom to talk about some of his initiatives as well as uh, share his thoughts on what we can do to improve the state of education in our country right now. Welcome to the show, YB. Hi, thank you, Dash. Thank you, Juliet. Thank you, Israel. All right, before we talk about your initiatives, perhaps you can start by telling us about some of the worrying observations you've made with regard to education in this country over the past year. Hi, I think you have mentioned earlier in <clears throat> about the disparity between uh, rural and urban students. 
but also we are, we are, we are having disparity between the haves and the have not. I mean, especially when, when we're talking about uh, uh, students from the B40 families, I think they have the issue of availability of adequate uh, devices uh, in their household, which impede their PDPR process. And also the internet access is another thing you did mention about people going to climb the trees and climb the hill. And, you know, and also about the, we are missing the proper intervention or alternative plan uh, to replace the missing for 4,000, more than 4,000 hours of schooling uh, in the year 2020, which uh, resulted towards the lost generation that I've mentioned in our previous uh, interview. So my, my worry is what is going to happen in the next 10 to 20 years when you have the, the digital gap there and we have the disparity between uh, these families, definitely it will end up with the disparity of uh, education, wealth, ownership, and also you're going to talk about uh, the gap and disparity uh, of economic ownership amongst races and geography. You know, definitely those in the urban area, those uh, from the T20 and M40 family, uh, I mean, the, the more fortunate family, they, yes, they're, they're facing a lot of challenges now, but not as bad as those belong to the B40 families. So you just imagine with this kind of disparity that we're having now, it will uh, result towards, uh, it will resulting towards uh, the, the access to better job in the future. Uh, hence the, the wealth ownership, hence the class economy. So you, you would see a huge gap of uh, class economy in the future in Malaysia if we don't tackle it, if we don't do anything about it seriously. And I don't see there's any serious, uh, that we say, initiative that we initiated by the government, not even a master plan for the post-pandemic uh, education, not about... Uh, replacing the, the, the missing hours of those children and definitely they're not addressing about this issue of uh, what they're going to do about the missing hours of the students uh, at the tertiary level as well. And, you know, when you spoke to us recently, YB, um, on our Live and Learn segment, you talked about how um, a new e-learning platform uh, you had launched, right? Sophia.my. So that's a free platform where primary and secondary school students can learn and prepare for examinations by watching curated videos uploaded by teachers and educators. So uh, tell us, you know, how is that platform doing? You know, what sort of feedback have you been receiving? It's doing well. But the only thing that uh, we are facing now is the lack of uh, content. Uh, that will uh, help those students uh, across the levels. Uh, we, of course, at the moment, we're still depending on those contents that uh, we, we've got available on YouTube and Vimeo. Uh, and talking about Sophia, is only a gateway. We only curate whatever av available contents in YouTube and Vimeo. But we are hoping that uh, more and more teachers will, will be submitting or will be uploading their contents to Sophia.mind. And uh, we're receiving a lot of feedbacks and people are asking for more contents. 
because they, they, they found it very useful, especially among teachers. But uh, we are struggling to get more contents from teachers. And also, uh, I, will, I would say a lot of demands from uh, those students who are not following the mainstream uh, schooling system, like those in international schools or from School of Agama and those from SGKC and SGKT, they too keep asking us to, 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 to provide more content. I, and we're struggling to find them on the YouTube, actually. We're only hoping for the teachers to, to, to come up with theirs and to upload them to our platform. Yeah. Right, and last year in uh, November, YB, you launched uh, another campaign called uh, Untuk Malaysia, and I understand uh, that it's to prevent you know, students from dropping out of school and um, you know help them with access to classes. You know, tell tell us about this campaign and how that's been doing since uh, you launched it. Actually, Untuk Malaysia is is a I would say it's kind of movement uh, and also a campaign to get uh, people to work together regardless of uh, differences, regardless of, you know, ideologies, race and ethnicities. We want to work together for the betterment of education for our children. We want uh, to fill in the gaps that have been left by uh, the government. You know, I, I was there <laughs> as a minister, so I know that uh, there are a lot of gaps needed to be filled in. And as normal citizens, as people, we can do a lot uh, when it comes to education, actually. So I still remember when I first came to the ministry, I found out that uh, there's a lot of uh, disparity when it comes to education. Uh, I'm not talking about disparity between uh, the international schools and our national schools. I'm talking about even in our national schools. Mm. You see uh, a lot of students being left out due to their situation or their abilities or their disabilities, rather. So, and a lot of children that uh, are struggling to get access to, you know, a lot of simple uh, rights of theirs when it comes to education. The issue of dilapidated schools, the issues of uh, students with uh, different abilities. So this is where, as I remember, I came with a lot of initiatives when I was in the office. And... The rest is history. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that even though when, when I'm not in the office anymore, even though I, I'm only a normal MP, but I, I can do a lot of things because I know the gaps that have been left by the ministry, hence the Untuk Malaysia. So the very ideal of Untuk Malaysia is to get people to help their own uh, fellow citizens when it comes to education, be them the left behind students, be them the children with disabilities, be them with, you know, a, a lot of issues of education. What more when we're having this pandemic, uh, a lot of uh, issues, uh, mushroom or unearthed that we, we started to realize, actually, we, we, we cannot rely on others anymore. Mm. What more to this semi-dysfunctional government? <laughs> so we need to rely only on ourselves. So And we can do wonders. To be honest with you, Malaysians are, are wonderful Malaysians are great and few initiatives that we have launched and you know my expectation uh, never been failed by Malaysians and we have a lot of uh, positive uh, in engagement and participation by our volunteers uh, from all over Malaysia that that sharing the same aspiration and same thoughts and we all believe that uh, 
education is uh, important. Education is for all. Pendidikan untuk semua. And education is the responsibility of everybody. Pendidikan tanggungjawab kita bersama. And with untuk Malaysia as a platform, and we have seen our volunteers are doing many uh, fabulous and great things, great achievements. Yeah. And sorry, sorry, Wabi. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, just following up on the Untuk Malaysia campaign, I read that this campaign needs about 250 ringgit per child per month for it to run properly. How did you come up with that figure? Oh, that that was our latest campaign on Murik Cici. Ah, the, okay. And the left behind students. We realized that, uh, I mean, I've been addressing the issue of uh, what uh, lost generation. I mean, in the Pacific, we are talking about. Uh, those children who miss more than 4,000 hours of uh, schooling mm. uh, at, at the preschooling level, at standard one and standard two. So they are at a very foundational level. They, they are still learning on how to write, read, counting, and a lot of values, a lot of life skills that, I mean, they, 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 should, be, they should be taught at, at that level. But they miss those. I mean, they miss the schooling. They miss all those... Uh, things that will allow them to go furthermore. Those are the very basic skills in learning. So we realized that uh, among the P40 and top M40, there was not really a problem. It is a challenge. It is a challenge. But again, uh, still the parents may have the access to, you know, uh, internet. They may have got access to uh, tutors or sometimes they, they too can teach their children. But a lot of a lot of other children have been left out, yeah. uh, mostly who came from uneducated uh, families. Those are coming from, uh, you know, poor, let's say, less fortunate families. Both parents have to go to work uh, despite the MCO, and you know, and they don't have enough uh, device or no device at all, and they they they, they are denied from the access to quality internet uh, coverage and whatnot. So we are looking at these children. So uh, we are starting with only 1,000 uh, students at the moment where we're trying to get uh, our volunteers, whom we call the change makers, going to teach those children all over Malaysia. So we, 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 we are depending on uh, reports that have been uh, submitted to us uh, after the advertisement that we have uh, sent all over Malaysia, so we have we managed to get hundreds, uh, thousand seven hundred something students. So we are calling for the change makers uh, to help us. So the change makers, we're going to send them to those children who are living within the radius of ten kilometers because we have a strict SOP. We don't want to breach any SOPs. For that reason, right. so this change makers, one change maker, one tutor is going to take care of two children in ten months. So uh, they need to spend twice a week meeting two children and making sure by the end of the ten months, these children will be having the basic skill of manulis, uh, mambaca, mengira, reading, writing and counting, and also a lot of other basic skills of learning. So we need to provide them with teaching material, and we need to provide the children with uh, learning materials, uh, 
stationaries, you know, workbooks, activity books, and we also need to pay for the for the 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 because yeah, of, of course they're doing it voluntarily, but you know, we need still need to pay them. So this is where the the amount where they came from or come come from. All right, and apart from that, YB, you've also launched a campaign called uh, hashtag Simpang Membaca. So I'm I'm quite a bookworm myself. I enjoy reading. So this really sounded exciting to me. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Okay, Simpang Membaca was the idea, was uh, I would say the extension of Malaysia Membaca reading campaign that I launched a uh, couple of years back. I think in 2018 or 2019, it was a nationwide uh, reading campaign. Malaysia Mambacha, but now I don't know where, where it is. I couldn't find it around. So after I'm no longer a minister, so I would like to bring it to a, to my own constituency. So we launched the Simpang Mambacha campaign. So initially what we did was we're sending books to workplaces, to all these factories and uh, offices uh, in, in, in boxes. So we exchanged these boxes every month. So uh, what happened was there was a huge uh, overwhelmed uh, acceptance by the people, especially when it comes to novels and fictions. They like, they, they, they like to read fiction. And we have few houses who, are, who keep asking us whether we can send books to them. And we did that. And we also started with uh, sending books to hipster cafes. We have nine of them in Simpangrangam. We sent to all these uh, hipster cafes books in, in boxes. So we exchanged those boxes every month. And then we, we, we got a few demands from the laundry shops, the dobies. So, and they, they say that most people, they have to spend uh, plenty of hours there while waiting their, their, their clothes to be washed and to be dried. So they, they enjoyed reading. So we sent that. And then... The pandemic uh, continued, so we decided to do something with the lost generation that I mentioned, those at the age of uh, six, seven, eight. So what we did was, I'm trying to find some uh, donors and some, uh, let me say, good-hearted Samaritans <laughs> who are willing to 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 donate their books, and we 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 have managed to secure. I mean, a huge number of uh, reading books and activity books. So we, we top up with uh, coloring, color pencils and coloring books. So we put it in, 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 a, in a bag. So we send to the houses. So at the moment, we've managed to send to 3,000 houses uh, or no, 3,000 kids, maybe less houses than uh, to 3,000 kids, the, the reading materials, books, activity books and color pencils. So the very idea of it is we don't want them to be left out. The least we could do, uh, the least I could do for my constituents, because I believe when the pandemic happened, uh, we have a lot of issues with PDPR. We need to return to the very conventional and primitive way of learning, which is reading. So I'm quite surprised why the reading campaign is not there. The pandemic is still there. It has been more than a year, but we couldn't hear anywhere about reading campaign. Maybe BFM could help us in enhancing <laughs> uh, the reading campaign nationwide. We need to push. We need to, to force our children to read and read and read because 
even and reading is very simple those who, who don't possess any gadgets those who have no access to good internet coverage but they can still read the only thing is if we could push people to share books or to donate books or you know the publishers could could do some uh, csr by sending books to to those children yeah all right. On that note, we do need to go for a very quick commercial break. We're speaking to YB Mazli Male, former education minister and current MP for Simpang Rengam, on his initiatives and education, and also the education uh, the, the situation amid, amid a pandemic in Malaysia. We'll be back with more on the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Dashran Johan with Julia Jacobs and Hezreel Ashraf. And joining us on Zoom is YB Mazli Male, former Education Minister and the current MP for Simpang Rengam. And we are talking about education in Malaysia amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, and if you have any questions at all for YB Mazli, uh, you can tweet us at BFM Radio or you can send us a WhatsApp message at 018-789-8899. That's right. Now, before the break, uh, we talked about some of the um, important initiatives that YB Mazli is working on uh, to help students uh, in Malaysia, particularly in his uh, constituency. Uh, but, we, you know, we do want to uh, also shift the conversation um, to education in general and on the national uh, level. Now, YB, you recently distributed uh, 30 Samsung tablets uh, to families in, in your constituency. And, and um, you know, we've talked about your uh, some of your campaigns untuk Malaysia, Selamatkan Murid Cice a little earlier, and these require funds from the rakyat. But, you know, some people might argue that, that as an MP, you shouldn't be, you know, using, um, you know, the people's money to help the people considering that people pay taxes, right? And, and people's wallets might might be a little uh, tight and, and these difficult times, how would you respond to these, um, you know, these arguments? I couldn't agree more, provided we are having uh, a very efficient and effective government. <laughs> I think this type of argument may be suitable with the developed countries. But since we are living in the, the country in which the legitimacy of the government is still being questioned, and also the I mean, the ministries are semi-functional. So I think we cannot wait. I mean, those, those students are left without a device. When they have no device, they cannot get access to the online learning. They cannot get access to a proper education. We, we cannot just wait. Schools can't wait for them. I mean, the teachers can't wait for them. And if we just wait for the government to do something, and those students will be left without education. So we need to do something. So the least I could do for my constituents is trying to to help them, to assist them. And you know that uh, as an opposition uh, member of parliament, I don't receive not even a single pence and not even a single cent from from the government uh, as a Puntukan parliament, unlike the, the the government MPs. So we need to do something. I wish I, I I wish I'm as rich as somebody else to to buy tablets and to 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 do to do a lot of uh, charity things for the students. But unfortunately, I'm not in that situation. <laughs> so I need to do some crowdfunding campaign in which we can get uh, the people to to be part of this campaign. And I believe that. Uh, this is part of the idols of pendidikan untuk semua tanggungjawab kita bersama. Education is for all and it's everybody's responsibility. 
by you know getting as much as possible people to participate. Uh, actually, we're encouraging people to be part of this uh, education uh, campaign in order to shape a better future for for Malaysia and for our beloved nation. And YP, you know, these are, there's no doubt these are great initiatives. I'm sure they are helping a lot of people. But there are people also living in areas where there's absolutely no internet access at all. You know, we've heard of students earlier, we talked about it, you know, students climbing on trees and hiking up hills just so they can study. What do we do about this? How do we reimagine a Malaysia where this isn't a problem? Okay, there, there are two things here. Number one, we are talking about uh, the internet coverage. We have been uh, experiencing the MCO and online learning near, for nearly a year. Mm-hmm. Not talking about a month or last week or a few days ago, for nearly a year. You know, the same, the same students, the same kids who used to go to the trees, who used to go to the hills, who used to go to the ladang, they are, they are the same students. They were the same students who did the same thing last year. Hmm. So, something is not right here. <laughs> where is the Kementerian Komunikasi? Where is the Kementerian Luar Bandar? And where is the KPKT? And where is the local governance? So, okay, this is beyond things that we can control, beyond our control. But things that we can control is we're going to another issue, which is the issue of, uh, uh, what you say, uh, the blanket uh, decision made by the Ministry of Education. I'm terribly against it. I'm not sure whether we talked about this in our previous interview or I might have spoken to somebody else, to, 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 to another media. But I was talking about we cannot make a blanket decision uh, to, to all schools in Malaysia, to all children in Malaysia when it comes to closing and opening schools. You know, there are certain schools... In, in, in remote area. And there are certain schools in green area and it's, it's situated just opposite the Rumah Panjang and nobody get into that village and nobody coming out from that village. And to get to the village, you need six hours of journey. And you have a lot of schools at, uh, at the islands, you know? So, and, 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 and most of these schools, they are Sekolah Kurang Murid, schools with uh, less children. They have 25, 40, and some of them, they have less than 100, and some of them have less than 20 students. So why should we punish them? Mm. No, they, they have no internet connection. They have no COVID cases, and but yet they cannot go to school. So what will happen to those children? I still remember Prof. Julie Ido, the, the director of uh, Jabatan Kebajikan Orang Asli Jakwa. He did complain about Orang asli children who has not who have not started their schooling yet until today. Why? Because they cannot go to school. Although the school is just a few steps away from their house, and they're living in a green zone, there's no COVID cases there. Yeah, but and they have no internet connection. <laughs> so actually, we're depriving them from education. So I believe in the empowerment of schools and empowerment of district officers, PPD, when it coming to the decision of opening and closing schools. I, I really pity those students because of this uh, topsy-turvy decision that we made by, or half-baked decision and policy that we made by the Minister of Education. Actually, we are punishing them. 
it's a double jeopardy, you know. And what will happen to their future? Just imagine the next 10 years, the next 20, the next 20 years, what will happen to them? We are further widening the gap of uh, wealth uh, ownership and, and, and education uh, between them and those who are living in, in not necessarily urban, but uh, you know, non-rural uh, non areas. So something needs to be fixed. <laughs> Right now, uh, you know, YB, I, I was talking to a, a teacher in Perak recently uh, who teaches at a, a school like Ramurit, uh, and he said that, you know, the pandemic was a missed opportunity for Malaysia to, um, I guess, rethink our education system and, and move away from exam an exam-driven approach and come up with creative ways to encourage learning uh, and uh, a, a better, I guess, assessment system. Um, you know, what do you think about this, uh, you know, moving into this direction? Yeah, it's true. I, I extremely agree with, with, with that teacher, your, your, your friend. Uh, if you still remember, in 2019, uh, when I was still in, in the office, uh, we did come up with uh, a major reform when I declared there would be no examination for year one to year three, mm. uh, what they call it as peringkat uh, satu, the, the first level of tahap uh, satu. So for year one, year two, and year three, there's no examination. And we replace it with a holistic uh, evaluation by teachers and by school. But this thing requires two things. Number one, a commitment from the teachers and a new pedagogy. And number two, a big data system. And actually, we have started it. We have started the big data committee. But now what I heard from the ministry is no longer there. Uh, and when it coming to the abolition of it, uh, examination, it's supposed in, supposedly in the year 2021, there will be no examination at uh, the primary level. We're going to replace that with a holistic uh, evaluation program uh, uh, method that actually been implemented in most developed countries. And Singapore was very brave when they did that uh, a year earlier than us. We're supposed to snatch this opportunity amid the pandemic. The pandemic should be a great reset button, whatever reform you wanted to do with the education system. This is the time, but it didn't happen. It's very unfortunate. And I still remember uh, the Jawatan Kuasa Kajian Dasa. We had set up this uh, committee to study the the, the, the educational system of Malaysia and they came up with a proposal that we tabled it to the Prime Minister then and also to the Cabinet and it's supposed to be launched in the year 2021. It's a radical reform of our schooling system but it didn't take place because government changed. Oh, all right. Um, we um yeah we do have some questions YB from our listeners uh maybe you can help us address them so Cheryl has sent in a WhatsApp message to us what do you think is a more constructive way to strategize the closing and reopening of schools during this pandemic so for example some people have proposed decentralizing these decisions to a district level so that state education departments have more autonomy to decide do you think that's a good idea that was my idea. I <laughs> there you go. I keep, I keep re-emphasizing that in all the media and in my own social media. And I keep 
I mean, I keep telling the Ministry of Education, the Minister of Education to do that, but they just ignore it. And if Cheryl said that uh, uh, some people, I'm one of those people. <laughs> okay, so you have been advocating for that as well, definitely. Then. Um, <laughs> Yeah, another question that came in, Dr. Masli, um, uh, Jackie from um, on Twitter asked, you know, um, Australia has proposed laws for global tech giants such as Google uh, for its national interest. You know, what is your take on MOE using Google as its means of online education? We have been using that since uh, July 2019. Mm-hmm. And now at the moment, thank God, because of that decision that we have made, most of the teachers are using Google Classroom. But we are not fully utilizing whatever Google had. Uh, I'm not sure what Australia had done with, with Google, but to be honest with you, uh, we have started something with Google, start, starting with the Google Classroom, and now most of the teachers are enjoying it, and it's for free, unlike its predecessors that cost billions of ringgit. <laughs> So, yes, totally agree with that. If Australia did that, we did that too since July 2019. Okay, all right. And uh, just... The improvement. Yeah, definitely. And just one more question. Um, Malisai from on Twitter is asking, you know, what would you be doing if you are still minister? <laughs> it's a very <laughs> hypothetical question. <laughs> but again, if, if, if I'm, I'm still a minister... I cannot be a minister in in a in in in, in a dysfunctional government or semi-functional government. You know, education is not only the sole responsibility of the Ministry of Education. We need a collaboration and a proper cooperation from other ministries as well. You're talking about internet connectivity. There, you, we need cooperation from KKMM. We need cooperation from KPLB. That we heard nothing from them at the moment. Uh, when it comes to education. We need cooperation from the uh, local authorities. We need cooperation from the uh, state state government and Kementerian Kebajika Masyarakat when it comes to the disabled and pendidikan uh, khas. And at the moment, I didn't see anything happening on their side. So a, a proper collaboration, cutting across the ministry, no ministries... Cut, can, and no ministry can work in silo anymore when it comes to education, especially amid the pandemic. So this is where, if the question is asked, what will I do if I'm still a minister? I would say that I cannot be functional in, in, a, in a semi-dysfunctioning government. We need a proper functioning government to, in order to, 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 to get things right. But again... Uh, my advice to, to, to the Minister of Education, please get as much as possible people uh, to get involved, to assist you guys when it comes to education. This is why I propose in the parliament many times and in the media too, to, uh, for the government to establish Majlis Tindakan Pendidikan Kebangsaan, a committee or, no, it's not committee, a Majlis, a council mm. for uh, education akin to what we have uh, for our economy, and economy, because it's, it's a crucial thing. I mean, education is very important. Uh, it will determine the future of our nation, and we need to take it seriously. The way that the government is dealing with education now, 
is far from serious and they're taking it very lightly and hence putting the future of education at risk. I'm very worried and de I'm deadly worried about it, to be honest with you. All right. Um, YB, before we let you go, do you have a final message that you'd like to leave us with? <laughs> My final message is, pendidikan untuk semua. Uh, education is for all. Quality education is a basic right for every children, including undocumented uh, children of Malaysia. And pendidikan tanggungjawab bersama. Uh, education is the responsibility of everybody. Every single uh, citizen have the obligation, have the responsibility to ensure the the. the the, the access of every single children to quality education. And we work together. We work as one. We work as one nation for a better future of our nation. I think that's very well said. Thank you so much for joining us today, YB. That was YB Mazli Malik, former Education Minister of Malaysia and the current MP for Simpang Rengam, talking to us about some of his education initiatives as well as the state of education here in Malaysia amid the COVID-19 crisis. But that's uh, that wraps up our show for today. You can look us up, uh, The Bigger Picture crew on F Facebook. We are BFM, The Bigger, uh, Bigger Picture. You can drop us a message there. Keep sending us your thoughts by tweeting us at BFM Radio or WhatsApping 018-789-8899. If you missed any part of this show, you you can download the podcast. You can look us for look for us, bfm.my slash the Daily Digest. We're also on the BFM app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan alongside Julia Jacobs and Hezri Lasharaf. And this has been the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.